And I want to talk about uh, the year of promise. When you have it, say amen. If you don't have it, say wait. Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. We're going to read all the way down to verse 29. I'm reading out the New American Standard uh, Version. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. So before faith in Jesus, there was the law. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free man, neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then, say then, you are Abraham's descendants according to the promise. Father, we thank you and we love you. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would touch our lives. Give us the ability to, to endure, to seek you, to unite as a, as a team, to reach more souls lost without hope if they don't have you. I pray that we would come together as one. Touch lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Promises. Promises are very easy to make by word, but hard to come by, and oftentimes very, very difficult or impossible to keep. You know, especially when you're, you're a kid, you know, and you're asking your mom and dad, and those words that come up. You promise? Your, your, your kid ever say that to you? Promise? And you go, I ain't promising nothing. Uh, but they always want to get, if they can get that promise, man, then they got you. Now they got you forever. They'll be like 55 years old and you'll be like 80. Are you promised? Man, they'll, they'll hold you to your promise. Huh? Well, see, the Bible teaches that we are heirs of the promise. Promise. Paul calls all who belong to Christ the true heirs to a long-established Abrahamic promise. And so... Not to, to, to misdirect our attention, but even Christ's intention of coming to earth. See, we, we, a lot of times we miss it. We simplify something that's very, very profound. Christ's in, intention to die and, and go through everything he did was not just uh, so that you could be saved. It was not just so that the, king, that the keys of the kingdom of, uh, uh, rather of death would be removed. But it began before that. See, when Christ left heaven, his intent was, I need to make these people heirs to the promise God gave Abraham. 
It all began there. It didn't end. You know, some people think, well, Christianity began at the New Testament. Well, no, that's a lie. I tell people this. I like the Old Testament. And they go, well, I like the New Testament. I go, that's good. You can like the New Testament. But I like the Old Testament. I kind of like the, the Bible that Jesus used. And people look at me. I go, and they, they fail to realize that the Old Testament was the scriptures that Jesus used to bring in, in the promise. So you can't just throw it aside like as, a, as if that is not important. So I always t tend to bring in Old Testament scriptures. Why? Because in this lifetime, as you walk along your path, you're being tutored. Now, the Jews were tutored by the law, but those outside of Christ are also being tutored because you're no longer under faith. And so you have to learn. So in, in, the, in the posture of a good teacher, I, we need to tutor you, right? So the promise God made to Abraham evolves and expands throughout the Genesis narrative. It begins there in Genesis 15, 1 through 6. It reads like this, After these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O oh Lord God, what will you give me? Since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Abraham said, Since you have... Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. He was looking just for one heir, Abraham. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come from forth from your body shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look towards the heavens, count the stars. If you are able to count them, and he said to them, Shall so shall your descendants be. Verse 6 is very important. Then he believed the Lord, and God reckoned it to him as righteousness. Now understand, this is well before the law. Well before Jesus, that plan was to evolve. Thousands of years. And Abraham's faith, faith is reckoned to him as righteousness. So Faith in God did not believe, begin at the cross of Christ. Faith began here with Abraham as God began to reveal himself to mankind through Abraham. And so he has this far-fetched promise given to a God that no one had ever heard about. The only one who reckoned him and cared to discuss God was Abraham and those that were crazy enough to follow him out of the land of the Chaldeans who this Persian now is creating a whole new nationality of people who somehow believe in a faceless, bodiless God. And then God took him out and he said, look at the stars, that's how your children will be. Now he's talking to a childless man who had a, a wife, Sarah, whose womb was dead. They were up in age already. Some scholars say, Anywhere from 100 to 180 uh, to 100 years old. They're old people. Now, that's pretty old to tell somebody, you're going to be a daddy. I mean, if somebody told me that, that my wife was pregnant, I'd say, wait a minute, Jack. We're some old folk. Amen. That ain't, that ain't going to happen. But if God took me outside, look at the sky. 
That would be, wouldn't that be difficult to believe? But Abraham believed God, and God said, because you believe me, not because of what he did, because we know that Abraham lied a couple of times. Abraham put his wife in jeopardy. Actually, the king snatched up his wife, and he didn't want to die, and he lied and said, it was my sister, not my wife. And he did all kinds of stuff that wasn't worthy of anything, but because he believed God when God said, that's how your heirs are going to be, he said, because you believe me, you're righteous. And you got to give it to Abraham, because none of us would have believed him. He was like, God, yeah, right, is there anybody else up there? Because this other voice is tripping. We would have we just blew it off. But as a result of believing, Abraham receives from God a promised land of his own. He gave him something. He has promised a multitude of descendants to inhabit that land forever. So now God, God made a promise. Remember I said it like us, don't make a promise. Because if you make a promise to your kids, you'll be 100 years old. And they say, you promised. Well, look at God's promise. He promised thousands of years ago to Abraham. And we're saying, I'm saying, you promised. So I'm holding God to his promise centuries later. Now I know where my kids get it from. See, he has promised a multitude of descendants. The Abrahamic promise is the promise, and, and uh, Martin mentioned, of an abundant life. A life lived in the presence of God. Something that could never happen before. Abraham had this relationship where he was in God's presence, able to communicate. But after a while, they fell into what we, we know as the law. But Abraham had, had this, con, this promise or this covenant, and it was referred to as an unconditional. Why is it unconditional? Because Abraham didn't deserve it. He was a liar. Right? He was a manipulator. He had no merit for the promise. But God said, I don't care about all that. You believe me. And it's, in essence, that faith is saying like this, I have something to work with. Because I can make something out of you. See, it's that belief, that faith that God looked at. He goes, I have something that I can use. That other stuff he couldn't use, but that he can use. Because if he could believe God for that, then he could begin to believe God for other things, areas that were more practical in his life. Hmm? The faith and loyalty of Abraham prompted the establishment of these covenants. There are no requirements. There was nothing written down necessary to keep in force the promise, Abraham simply believed God. And some of us can, can relate to that or not relate to that or struggle with that because oftentimes in your walk with Jesus, I say, you just got to believe God. And that's when you get mad at me. Oh, you just, you me. See, when you learn to believe, now God says, okay, now I got some faith here. I can work with that. But when you don't, God has nothing to work with because your talents are useless to him. Your abilities, he don't care. What he cares about, do you believe? When you begin to believe, and then, every, then the religious people say, well, I can believe God only. No, you can't. You can't. That, that's the cop-out to be able to do what you want to do and not listen to nobody else. Because God doesn't work that way. He always works through individuals. Unless you are privileged when you go home and you hear this voice from heaven, 
Jose, do this. Does anybody get those kind of voices? If not, you're stuck like me. God uses man to be his voice, men and women to be his hands and his feet. And so what happens, this is what we do. We look at the man, we look at the feet, and we say, oh, heck no, that ain't God. And we walk away. Then you're on your own. Figure it out. Good luck. But I've been doing this a little while now. And I have found over 33 years that works. That works. See, in contrast, I'm going to go in contrast to those who don't like faith. Faith is very difficult. Those who refuse faith, they have no choice. Whether they like it or not, they actually put themselves under the law. Because if there's no faith, then, then you go under law. In other words, what, what I'm saying is, if you just can't believe God, then you have to go into law, and law begins to shift you to a work-related individual. In other words, not intentionally, but you begin to do good and expect God to answer you and bless you based on how good you are. And listen, there's none good. No, not one. Your righteousness is like filthy rags to the Bible. And actually, there's nothing you can do to impress God. But that's when you refuse faith, then that's where you put yourself. There's no, there's no other way. Well, so well, I'm going to become a Buddhist, a Hindu. Well, you can do all that, but that will not get you there. It might make you a nice person. Hamana, hamana, whoa. Right? You'll be a good, good person, get along, go out, eat Chinese food together. But that won't get you to God. Uh-uh. So the Sinai covenant God established with Israel is termed conditional. There's only two. There's an unconditional and a conditional. One of faith and one of works. Right? In, the case, in this case, the Mosaic laws are fulfilled. And that is the Old Testament. Really, if you look at the Mosaic law, basically is the first five books of the Bible. What excites Paul now, now let's get back to the New Testament, what excites Paul so completely in Galatians' text is the fact that because of Christ, the conditions of the old law have been swept away. So now you, don't know, you no longer have to work and do all this to get in. You don't have to do that no more because of Christ. But Christ, all he did is take us all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant, which is unconditional, which is faith. So we're back to the beginning. If you want to believe God... That's what you have to do, is believe God. So some people say, well, if God proves it to me, God has, God doesn't, matter of fact, if you feel that way, you are probably destined for hell. Because God rewards those who seek him diligently. He doesn't have to prove he's God. If you want to know who God is, then the Bible says you must seek him with all your heart. And if you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. You won't find them in working. You won't find them in being good. You won't find them in paying your taxes. You won't find them in feeding the poor. You will find them when you begin to believe in him and believe what he does. <laughs> Period. Back to the Abrahamic covenant. Right? See, we're all set free from the forced guardianship of the law. See, notice Paul tells, calls Christ, he calls Jesus the true offspring of Abraham. That's why we all know that famous hit, Christian hit, 
Father Abraham had many sons, many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one, I am one, and so are you, so are you, as we go marching on, right on, Father Abraham, right, had many sons. We, we sing that and we know that, but that's the reality of it. Jesus did everything he did to get us back under the original promise, which was the Abrahamic promise. We become descendants of Abraham. Who's your daddy now? Huh? Through Christ. See, full participants in the promised land of abundant life. The promised land of abundant life. See, the law, and we read it earlier, was a tutor. Anybody ever need a tutor? You know, when you're in school, you can't read, right? You're terrible in math, and then your parents, they send, they send a nerd over to you. Um, we, we used to call them nerds, but the school district called them tutors. You know, those people that we don't like, they know it all, and we wish they would take all our tests for us, amen, but they can't. Well, see, the law outside of Christ is a tutor. What am I saying? For instance, the law outside of Christ, the law. Anybody ever get pulled over for speeding? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? See, you have just been tutored. You have learned something. You've learned. See, the law has just taught you if you go too fast, you will get a ticket. And if you get a ticket, you will pay. And how many of us want to get a ticket again? The tutor did well. Well, that's the law's intent to tell you, if you do this, this is what's going to happen to you. And you will get spanked, you'll get dealt with. And there's a whole, those 378 laws in the Mosaic law. But that's not just what he's talking about. He's talking about outside of Christ. Outside of Christ, there's all kinds of different laws. You have street law. You have neighborhood law. You have cultural law. These are all different laws. But these laws are not the laws that God intended. These are man-made laws, but they, nevertheless, God will use them to teach you a lesson. Ouch. Huh? He'll, he'll use it. You know, sometimes use my dad. Teach me the law. You ever been taught the law by your dad? You know, I, I don't, and this, they always say this, you know, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And they rip out the, 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 the belt. At the end, you see like viper. The law is at work. And see, that is, the, that is what we experience outside of Christ in relationship, in relationship to our walk with God. Hmm? See, but it is as heirs to the promise that we must keep faith with Christ. It's the faith, not what you do, not the sin, because really, let's be honest, if it was based on what we did just this past year, we all should go to hell. Every one of us, not one is exempt in this room from the pulpit on down. But if, because we're not under the law, we are, I'll say like this uh, uh, rhetorically, we are stupid enough because the Bible says the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing, we are foolish enough to believe that if we believe in Christ, we're going to make it. 
We're going to develop our relationship. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's a step of faith. And because we have faith, just like Abraham, God looks down from heaven. He says, I count that as righteousness. That's why it's so hard for us to believe. How can we be righteous when we're perverts, liars, thieves? Because it's, it's not contingent on you. Because you're not under the law. If it was contingent on you, you know you'd be in trouble. It's contingent. And really, I'm going to say this. It's not even contingent on Christ. Why? Because he's finished. He said, it's finished. Now, it's contingent on you. It depends on you. It depends where your faith takes you. Some people are good for faith. They do well for a little while, and they just kind of fade away. Oh, they love Jesus, but they ain't going to do what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you love me, do what I say. And it's very plain. If you, all you do is read the red letters in your Bible, just do that. You'll be busy for the rest of your life. But, we, but when people re even reject that, then there's evidence that their faith is just lip service. It's not heart rendered. So you have to have a heart rendered belief so that God, God can say, you're righteous. Uh, so how are your vital signs? That's what I'm getting to. Took me a while to get there. How are your vital signs? Do you have a heartbeat? Do you have a heartbeat for evangelism? Do you inhale the breath? Huh? The breath of our anointing? The God-given anointing? How's your vital signs? What's your blood type? What kind of blood type you got? Are you cleansed with the blood of Jesus that makes you white as snow? See, a faith without vital signs is dead. When we're talking about faith, you have to believe. And people, they try to, you know, they try to... Uh, uh, trick themselves. Well, I believe. I believe. You can't tell. I believe. Okay. We got to believe that you believe. I believe. I believe in you. We even sing it, right? Okay. But it's not that difficult to find out if somebody really believes. Because a faith without vital signs is dead. And I just m mentioned the, bi the vital signs. The breath, the heartbeat, the blood. See, no pulse from God or no pulse from the heartbeat of God means you're dead. No breath of the Holy Spirit means you're dead. No blood pressure from the Lamb of God means you're dead. So your vital signs have to be active to say that you believe. It's very important. See, see Abraham had to believe. Why? And God tested him. He goes, oh, you believe? Yeah. Okay. Then he took his faith to another level. He believed so much that, that Sarah got pregnant. 100-year-old, 80, 80, let's say she's 80 for just the sake of time. 80-year-old lady got pregnant. Sarah, because Abraham believed. That's heavy. And you would think that's enough. God would say, man, Abraham believed. No, but you know what God did? God took it to another level to see if Abraham really believed. See, Abraham had enough, had enough faith to believe that Sarah could be uh, impregnated, which is pretty heavy stuff. Then he took the very heir, Isaac, the promise where the promise was going to flow, and he said, Abraham, take your son, your only son, and take him to sacrifice. Now, 
Now do you believe? See, Christianity today has such a cheap faith that people think that they say mere words, come to the altar and cry, and snot comes out of their nose and it's on the carpet and they weep, that somehow they have passed the test. That just got you in the door. The real tests are yet to come. Welcome to 2019. See, faith is not cheap. Faith is not some street walker that you can buy on the corner. Faith costs. It costs the death of our Lord and Savior. Faith costs. And not only did it cost the death of our Lord and Savior, it cost Abraham the willingness to kill his son. That's heavy. Now, we think Abraham was bad. I go, that's a bad dude. Isaac was even badder. Why? Because Isaac was about 20 years old. And they're walking to the mountaintop. Now, can you see the picture? Hey, Dad, what's up, Isaac? We're going to uh, um, go do a sacrifice, right? He goes, yeah, um, well, where's the sacrifice? You know, Isaac ain't dumb. He's looking around like, a, ain't no sheep, ain't no cow. I bet you about when he gets to the altar, he starts thinking, man, I'm the, I'm the sacrifice. And then Abraham says, Isaac, don't worry about it. The Lord's going to take care of it. So Isaac had to believe. Not God. Isaac had to believe his dad. See, Abraham had a leisure. He was having this conversation with the Most High. Abraham had to believe his dad, who probably knows, he's seen his dad every now and then get in the flesh, because, you know, we're human. He probably seen him get in the flesh, yell at Sarah, Sarah, shut your mouth, woman. You know, and oh, look, Isaac, where my mom looking? You know, life is life, right? And he saw Sarah doing the same thing, and Isaac seen dad be dad. Probably got mad at them, and he, and, he, and he stubbed his toe on a rock while he was chasing a wild, wild boar. And he, goes, and he, said, a, he said a bad word. Ah! He said a bad word. And Isaac, wow. He's seen all the real Abraham. The, the good, bad, and the ugly. And now this guy called his dad and say, oh, just get the knife in the wood. Come on. And then he says, gets him out the altar call. Okay, Isaac, I told you God can provide, but until then, lay down. Now, this is Isaac. Okay, Dad. I'll lay down. Okay, I'm going to put the wood underneath you. I'm going to start to light on fire and get, get, get it ready. But just lay down. It'll be cool. All right, Dad. Lay down. Imagine the thought of Isaac as Abraham stands over him, takes his knife, and raises it up. Well, what would you do if, if you were Isaac? He raises it up, and then at the last minute, stop! Don't touch that boy. Now I know that you worship me above all things. Immediately, he looks to his right, and there was a ram 
caught in the thicket. Now, we're from Colorado. We've seen rams. They got a whole herd up there at the scar. These are some big, bad animals. That had to be a bad thicket to hold that ram. There's a, and he goes to the offering that God provided and removes his son. But in Abraham's heart, in his mind, in every fiber, he had killed his son. Now let's get back to Abraham. We're talking faith here. Get back to Abraham. I believe that Abraham knew this, that even if he killed him, because he shouldn't have been birthed in the first place through, through his wife. I was an old man. I couldn't even impregnate my wife, and it happened. I believe that Abraham knew that even if I kill him, God will raise him from the dead. That's faith. See, we really are still under a tutor. But we have to get to that point in our heart where the most important thing in our life is God. Everything else is secondary. That's why God said, I will have no other God before me. There will be no idol, no image, no graven image in the air or in the sea. Nothing will come before me. That's faith. So because we couldn't handle it, God puts the law to teach us. Then that's why he gave us the Ten Commandments. That's why he gave us everything along the way. Why? God. Then we're in this world. The world of technology. Knowledge increasing every 15 months. We're so convoluted with everything. And here's a simple preacher giving you a simple message that that doesn't matter. All those things are geared by the world system to separate you from God. Not that we can't use them. Not that they're not, they shouldn't be in our place. Of course they can. But what happens, we have to put them in place. They have to be secondary. God has to be primary. So in 2019, my goal is to make everything secondary to my faith in Christ. Everything, be it man, woman, child, thing, object, doesn't matter. God first. Trust God in all things. Do, do, I, do I look at my bills and allow my bills to dictate who I am? Most do. Why do I say most do? Because most Christians don't tithe. Well, scripture is clear. The tutor, the tutor said, I'm trying to teach you something. How in the world, and I'm going to close with this, how in the world can we say we put God first when you still struggle with unholy money? That's why God put that there. You know, God talks about money like over 5,000, 4,180, something like that scriptures. I have an exact number on finances. And when there's only about 500 on prayer. 
And we all know prayer is important. But prayer is not going to hinder you. What's going to hinder you is your relationship with everything else and God. What's more important? So the law and the scripture is there to teach you how to strengthen your faith, strengthen your walk, so that you can really get to know God in the same manner that Abraham knew God. Walk with him. Talk with him in the same way Paul knew God. Met with him. In the same way all the, the, the prophets knew God. Actually, let me say this, in a better way, because they were still under the law. And they, they, God would come and express type of form under certain prophets at certain times, but he wouldn't dwell with them. He would come as needed. And they believed God. We have access to the presence of God 24-7. Yet we put everything else before him. We got to turn around. Because God wants, to live you in, wants you to be in an abundant life. Wants you to be more than a conqueror. He wants the best for you. But we don't believe it. So we often take things in our own hand. And isn't that what happened to us in 2018? When we, we began to take things in our own hand and somehow didn't, just didn't work out the way we planned? That's why I'm saying 2019, let's really trust God. Let's go into a deeper level of faith. A faith that believes, and not only believes, that withstands the pressures of life. That withstands the attacks of the world. That withstands the attack of self. Because we all get selfish. And it's at those weak moments when we say, what about me? That's when you're the most vulnerable. Because then what we're really saying is, God, you don't care about me. You don't do what I want. You might as well say it like that. But I'm going to tell you, here to tell you something, because I believe it by faith, that God knows what's best for you. And he's doing it just the way it should be, the best way for you. Because his plan is to prosper you. Your plan is to satisfy you. His plan is to give you a hope and a future. The, the way of man utterly leads to destruction. God wants to bless his people. And I am confident that he wants to bless this church. I know it without a shadow of a doubt. Because we just got a, a little minor, you ever go to a chiropractor? All we need is a minor, a minor adjustment. And you know, it's amazing what a little adjustment will do to your gait. You know, you have a bad gait, bad back, you walk like this. Right? You get adjustment, all of a sudden, oh, wow. Then you can start walking like you're cool. Because God wants to walk, make you walk like you're cool. 2019 should be a year of intentional faith. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.